0: Day. Uh, it covered those seven sermons over two months. Uh, how many of you remember back uh, when you took tests in school? How many of you'd say you love test day on Friday? Like you look forward to testing day on Friday? Not too many people. Yeah, because some of those tests, you, you, knew, you knew kids though that did, right? I knew some kids that liked test day, and it was usually the really smart kids that uh, looked forward to test day because they were confident they were going to do a good job, and that made them feel good about themselves, and that's, that's awesome. Uh, I typically didn't look forward to, to test day, and maybe you can relate to that, but tests are important. Tests are important because uh, even if we're not super excited or we think they're really hard, they, they reveal to us where we really are. Tests are things that reveal to us what we really know. What have we really learned uh, what, uh, where are we really growing or comprehending? Uh, how are we really able to perform? Uh, let's say you're getting trained in something on how to do something, whether it could be welding, it could be uh, an athletic uh, talent, it could be a piano uh, lesson. There are, there are times where testing takes place so you know where you really are. In, in that training. And I'm not sure what our test revealed this morning. If, if you didn't do very well, it could be uh, that you need to take better notes like Gloria and Bonnie. It could be I just need to do better preaching. I don't know. It could be that. Maybe, maybe we all need Prevagen. Maybe that's, maybe that's the answer. But God will occasionally test us to reveal where we are, where we really are, spiritually. Check this verse out. It's on the screen in First Thessalonians chapter 2. The second part of verse 4, Paul says, we're not trying to please men. We're trying to please God. Look at this. He says, who, God, tests our hearts. God tests our hearts. I don't know what grade you would give yourself uh, if we were to evaluate our spiritual lives in this moment. I have no idea what you would grade yourself as a follower of Jesus but there are times when God will test us and in those times of testing what we say what we do how we react or how we respond in that time of testing under the pressure of the test that will reveal where we really are regardless of what grade maybe you give yourself an A+ plus and and the test reveals something different than that. Or maybe you give yourself like um, C-, and the test actually reveals, no, you're, you're better than that as far as your spiritual growth and maturity. Tests that God often gives us throughout life will reveal we, where we really are, what's really inside. And one of the hardest tests in the Bible, in my opinion... Uh, was the test that God gave to Abraham and Isaac in Genesis chapter 22. How many of you are familiar with the test? A lot of you are familiar with this test. Okay, so whether you are or not, join me in Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. Here's the test that God gave to both Abraham and Isaac. It wasn't just Abraham's test. Isaac was involved in this too, his son. Verses 1 and 2. Sometime later, God... Tested Abraham's faith. Abraham God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Here's the test. Verse 2. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him. You understand what that means, right? Sacrifice him as a burnt offering. On one of the mountains, which I will show you. Can you even begin to imagine how hard this test was? I can't. I, I, I try to put myself in, in this situation and just uh, on some level try to imagine the difficulty of, of this test, and I can't do it. I can't. I mean, I think we all would like to think that we would have passed a test like this, and I don't, I, I don't know that I can say that I would have. You know, I think about some of the tests that uh, other biblical characters experience, like Noah. Noah, uh, God told him, build this really big boat, and it's going to be your salvation from a worldwide flood. That was a test of faith. That was a big test of faith. Think about Moses. We talked about Moses. God called Moses to go and challenge the most powerful man on the planet at the time, Pharaoh. You understand what the challenge was? The challenge was you're going to go square off against Pharaoh and you're going to demand that he let his entire slave force go free, which would destroy their entire economic system. That's a test of faith. Would you agree? That was a test of faith. But this, this is next level test of faith. I want to just pause here for a brief moment and make a distinction between a test that God puts into our lives and temptation, because over the years I have I have heard people make. Uh, comments, well-meaning comments uh, about a difficulty that they are going through, and uh, it sounds, based on their comment, that they have mixed up the difference between a temptation and a test. So, if uh, if you would, you can look at these verses. I think I have them on the screen for you, but at least write the references down uh, so you can get to these later and spend a little bit more time with them. If this Maybe doesn't make sense right off the bat. But 1 Corinthians 10.13 talks about temptation, which is different from a test. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Now, testing is, is specific. Uh, it comes from God. It has a specific purpose, and it's different. Your, uh, the testing that God may place in your life was going to be unique and different from the testing that God will place in In my life. But temptation is not like that. Temptation is something we have in common. Temptation is common. And it says that God is faithful. He will not let you be, get this, tempted beyond what you can bear. Pause on that because you maybe have heard people say uh, they're going through something and, uh, well, God won't give me more than I can bear. Well, if they're talking about a test, they've got the wrong verse. It doesn't say test, it says temptation, because it's very often that the test that we go through is well beyond what we are able to bear on our own, well beyond what we can do in our own strength. That's the whole point of the test, that we rely on God, learn to trust God in something we can't do on our own. But temptation is different. Temptation is something that God won't allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. And it says that when we are tempted, He also provides a way out for us so that we can stand up underneath that temptation. Temptation, the source of temptation, right? Testing can come from God. But temptation does not, uh, James 1, 13 and 14, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. God doesn't tempt us with sin. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each one is, is tempted when his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. So temptation is, is the issue of sin, and, and the source of it is sin, in our own evil desire Testing is from God, and it has a good purpose, so it's different from temptation. So when you and I stand toe-to-toe with hard things, I would say this. It probably is a good idea to ask the hard question, did I create this mess? You go through something, and it's difficult, and it's unpleasant. It's probably a good idea to ask, did I create this mess because I gave in to temptation and I crossed over a boundary line, or or I stepped outside of God's will, uh, are these the consequences for my poor choices? It's probably a good thing to ask that question. But if the answer is no, and it very well may be no, that's not what this is about, that you didn't sin, that you didn't step outside of God's will, then it's very possible that what you are experiencing is God's testing in your life which has a unique purpose for what God wants to do in you and through you. For example, sometimes the test uh, of God is given to us to reveal where our faith really is and, and where we need to grow, where we need to mature in our faith. James 1, 2, and 4 says this, also on the screen, "...consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know." that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature, so that you may be complete, not lacking anything. There's a purpose in this testing that that is connected to, that is tied to God's desire to mature us and develop some character in our faith. Sometimes the test is given to reveal what our faith is really made of. If our faith is even genuine. First Peter says this, "...in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, gold perishes even though it's refined by fire, but your, so that your faith may be proved genuine." and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So sometimes the test is about revealing to us what our faith is really made of. Is it genuine faith? Is it strong faith? Does it need to be strengthened? And testing will reveal that to us, and that's a good thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, some of you may remember when, when Paul said that he was given this thorn in his flesh. Remember this? Uh, God gave him this thorn in his flesh, and he begged, he begged the Lord three times to, to remove it from him. And the Lord's response was, no, my grace is sufficient for you. That was, that was the exchange between Paul and the Lord. And uh, Paul says, uh, in the context of 2 Corinthians 12, that God placed that trial in his life. He identified the purpose. He said, to keep me humble, to keep me from becoming prideful, God placed this in my life, this trial in my life. God had a specific purpose for putting that trial that, uh, that trial in his life, and it turned out to be a test of Paul's faith. When, when God says, no, I'm not going to remove the trial, my grace is sufficient for you, that's a test of faith. Is Paul going to believe that or not? Is Paul going to believe that God's grace really is sufficient to help him endure and, and have victory in a time of weakness? That was a test of Paul's faith. And arguably, I, I would say that Paul passed that test. So tests, yes, uh, typically aren't fun. Oftentimes they're not easy, but they've got great value in our lives. They can make us ultimately more like Jesus. Now Everything we talked about the last two months, really the the practical part of all of that stuff can help prepare us for these tests. We talked a lot about reading, studying the Word of God. We talked a lot about uh, daily prayer, like a a commitment to, to constant prayer, bathing everything in prayer. We talked about that a lot. We talked about our relationships with one another, with other followers of Jesus and how important that is. Uh, in, in the development of our faith, the strengthening of our faith. So all of these things that we've been talking about will help prepare us for these tests. They will make it more likely that we will pass the test. And I think that makes sense. The more preparation you put in, uh, when the test day comes, you'll be better prepared to do well on the test. We kind of know that from our life experience. But here's the question I want to explore with you this morning. And it's rooted in verse two of uh, Genesis chapter twenty-two. That was, to me, I look at that and I'm thinking that, that is, that's too hard. That test is too hard. So how do we do hard things in times of testing when it when it seems like when it feels like the test is too hard? And and when, again, I look at what God asked Abraham to do. It's unreasonable. You look at it, and I don't know that anyone would say, "Oh, that's 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 easy." Most of us, I think, would look at that and say, "Man, that that one's that's too far." And I don't know what test you might be experiencing right now in your life at this moment, but it may feel to you like it's too hard, it's too much. And even if that's not where you are at right now, there may be a time in the future. When you go through something and you're like, this is, this, is, this is too much, Lord. How do you do hard things during a time of testing when the test seems too hard? How in the world will we ever pass those tests? I want to offer you three, three simple thoughts this morning that I think will really be helpful when you and I have to take tests where God puts tests in our lives that seem too hard. The first one is this. When the test seems too hard, trust in God's promises. Let me say it again. When the test seems too hard, trust in God's promises. Go back to this story. So we've seen the test in verse 2. Let's read on in verse 3. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey. He took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. He chopped wood for a fire uh, for a burnt offering. He set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day of the journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there. Interesting. Interesting. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. The first thing I notice about Abraham's response is that he just obeys. Now, I have no idea what the night looked like for him, right? It says early in the morning, the next morning, he got up early and he he went, he obeyed. I have no idea if uh, he spent all night praying uh, if uh, he just laid there looking at the, the, the tent ceiling. I, I don't know what the night looked like for him, but I know because it's recorded here that early in the morning he got up and obeyed. And it doesn't tell us that he, uh, he demanded an explanation. That's curious to me. He doesn't demand of God an explanation. And I, I think, wouldn't you want to know why? Like, wouldn't you want God to explain to you what is this about? This is an unreasonable request. Why are you asking this of me? That's a pretty normal response, I would think. We have insight into what Abraham was thinking and how he processed this in the New Testament. So hold your finger in Genesis. Go to the New Testament to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 17. This is a chapter that talks about people's faith, And one of the people that are highlighted in this chapter is Abraham. And in verse 17, it says, It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. All right, we know that part. Abraham, who had received God's promises, don't miss that. Abraham received a promise from God was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him. Here's the promise. The promise was, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. That was the promise. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. That was the conclusion that Abraham had come to pretty remarkable, isn't it? And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead, which we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see why that makes sense later on if you're not familiar with this, with this story. But the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, gives us insight into how Abraham was processing this unreasonable request of God. And this, is, this was the reasoning. God made me a promise. And the promise was not just that I would have descendants uh, greater than the sand of the seashore and greater than the stars in the sky. That, that was part of the promise. The whole promise is that it would be through Isaac, not through Ishmael, not through some other miracle son that, that Sarah w- would have later on, right? Isaac was the miracle child at 100 years old that God said, this is the son, Isaac is the son that I will bless you through and make descendants So if he's dead, the promise would be broken. Do you see his reasoning? I follow the reasoning. It's still really, really hard. Would you agree? It was still, still really hard. Abraham did not ask God for an explanation. He just trusted in God's promise. God made a promise. He's going to keep it. I don't want you to miss this. When God tests our faith, when God tests our hope, when God tests our level of love, what oftentimes happens are emotions of of fear, of anger, of sorrow. But those emotions want to know why. That's just normal. We want to know why. But faith in God's promises, that faith is able to gather up all of those emotions Experience them, not set them aside and pretend they're not happening, but to gather up all of those emotions and then put them into proper perspective with the promises of God. Let me give you an example of what I mean. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 is a promise from God to you. As a follower of Jesus, if you're a believer, this is a promise to you. The God of all grace who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, talking to the believer, after you have suffered a little while, will Himself, who? God, will Himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Did you notice that the promise was not that God will will keep you immune from all suffering and problems? That's not the promise. God never promised that you'll never lose a job. He never promised that you'll never lose a loved one, that you'll never get sick, that, that you'll never be treated poorly. God never promised that those who are in, in government will always do the right thing and make your life better. God never promised that your car, your washing machine, and your dog would never die on the same week. And some of you have had that happen. God didn't make a promise that we won't experience problems and and suffering. The promise was that He would be with us when we do. The promise was that He will give us comfort when we do. The promise is that He will give us strength and courage and hope when we do. God promised to give us His divine power to live a a righteous life in an absolutely corrupt world. And so when the test seems too hard, trust in God's promises. That's where we start. The next thing is this, trust in God's provision. Trust in God's promises and trust in God's provision. Verse 6, back to our story. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked together... Isaac turned to Abraham and said, "Father, just imagine yourself in this moment. Imagine you're Isaac." Yes, my son. Well, we've got the fire, uh, we got the wood. Where's the sacrifice? Where's the sheep? Isaac knows how this goes. It's not his first sacrifice he's ever witnessed. We got the wood, we got the fire. Where's the burnt offering? It's a great question, Isaac. Listen to what Abraham says in response. Verse 8, God will, what's the word? Provide. God will provide. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. They both walked on together. Did God provide? Well, let's find out. Verse 9, when they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar, arranged the wood on it, then tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood now just understand that this is this is Isaac participating in this willingly do you get that he didn't run off from his dad he trusted his dad he trusted his father with this that's huge Abraham, verse 10, picked up the knife to kill his son or to kill his son as a sacrifice. And I honestly, I cannot imagine. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, yes, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Son and Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. He took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, uh, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Abraham was confident in God's ability to provide even when the circumstances themselves didn't make any sense. And this, uh, this Hebrew word, you might have, it, depending on the translation that you have, it might say Jehovah, Jireh, uh, Yahweh, Jireh. Uh, that phrase in, in Hebrew means the Lord will see to it. The Lord will provide trust in God's provision. When we go to the New Testament, this same the same. Uh, encouragement, the same challenge is repeated in Ephesians chapter 3. Now, to Him, God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine. You know what immeasurably means, right? You cannot measure it beyond what we can measure of whatever we ask, even what we can imagine. He's able to do according to His power that is at work within us. To Him be glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Are we part of that promise? Are we part of that provision? Absolutely. And so when we stand toe to toe with a test that seems too hard, take a deep breath and ask yourself the question Is this too hard for God? Just, just pause, take a breath. Is this too hard for God? Is this beyond his reach? Is this beyond his strength? Is, is, is this beyond his power? If God gives the test, then we can be confident it's not a trick question. The test is not designed to harm you. It's not, it's not some twisted experiment that God is conducting for his own amusement. That's not what's happening. If God gives the test, then we can be confident that God will provide what we need to pass the test, that God will provide whatever it is that He wants us to learn, to grow in, to be strengthened in, maybe even uh, to, to use you to bless someone else, to encourage and strengthen someone else's faith through your experience. But God's got a purpose in it. He knows where we need to grow. He knows where our faith needs strength and He knows who He wants to impact through your life experience, through your demonstration of faith. God will provide. The Lord will see to it. When the test seems too hard, trust in God's promises, trust in God's provision. Here's the third one. Trust in God's process. Trust in God's process. Look at verse 15. The angel of the Lord... Called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me, have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name, I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all nations of the earth will be blessed all because you obeyed me. Now watch this part. Ready? Then, verse 19, they turned returned to the servants. They traveled back to Beersheba, where Abraham continued to live. This promise was a process. This promise, which was incredible, that, that uh, Abraham would have these, uh, these descendants more than the stars, more than the sand. It was not fulfilled that day. Do you get that? He went home and he lived his life. Abraham went back, and he lived out his life, and this promise was a process that God was fulfilling over time, a process that was bigger than just Abraham. This was a process that would one day result in one of these many descendants of Abraham being the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That was part of the process that God was doing through Abraham. It wasn't just about blessing Abraham uh, with many descendants. This was about the salvation uh, from sin that God was going to accomplish through Jesus Christ, one of Abraham's descendants, one of his many descendants. What Abraham and Isaac did together that day was a picture of the gospel. And I'm sure a lot of you, as you're reading through this, you picked up on that three days, and you have this father who, uh, who, who loves his son just as much as you love your own child, and yet gave up his son as a sacrifice for sin. You see a son who willingly obeyed his father's will. We see a substitute sacrifice that God provided so that, so that you and I could be forgiven so that we wouldn't have to bear the punishment that sin deserves. You see all of these images, these pictures in this story played out between Abraham, Isaac, and God. The test that God gave Abraham and Isaac was a part of his process, not only in their lives, but to bring salvation to us through faith in Jesus Christ. And I say all of that, not only just to point out uh, what's happening in the text, but to say this. Maybe what you're experiencing right now, maybe you are being tested right now in a way that God is drawing your heart towards Him. Is it possible that what you're experiencing right now is is a testing from God uh, designed specifically by Him in your life to draw your heart towards faith in Jesus Christ as your forgiver, as your Savior, to live out and believe the gospel. Listen to this from 2 Corinthians 13, 5. It's on the screen. Examine yourselves to see whether or not you are in the faith. Hmm. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? Isn't that interesting? Is it possible that God has been in the process of trying to get your attention? to move your heart, to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, to put your faith in him as a substitute sacrifice for your sin, to to transform your life. Maybe you do religious stuff. You do religious stuff, but is it possible that you've never truly repented of sin and, and put your faith in Jesus as your personal forgiver, the leader of your life? Is that possible that it's just been this religious stuff that you do? Here's one of the ways you can tell, one of the ways that you can tell is when you're under pressure, right? When your faith is put under pressure, if you bail, it may be that the, the faith wasn't real, that it wasn't that it wasn't genuine. It may be that you need still to take this, this step of faith in Jesus. And if that's you, then do it today. Do it before you leave this place. If you have trusted Jesus as your Savior, then understand that God will use tests sometimes in your life and in my life as part of His process to make us more like Jesus. You know Abraham and Isaac, they came off that mountain and uh, they looked more like Jesus. Now we see that looking back on it, we we see that they look more like Jesus because we we have the ability to look over this story and study it. They were living it in real time. But they trusted in God's process. Listen to this from the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And there's tons of verses like that throughout the New Testament that talk about uh, this image of taking off our old clothes and putting on new clothes, that we are uh, given a new heart, that we are, are transformed, given uh, a transformation not only in the way we think, but in, in, in the way that we experience faith, spiritually having a heart that is alive. There's all these pictures painted throughout the New Testament that describes this process, this process that God wants to do in your life and in my life to make us more like Jesus. There's a song uh, pretty popular on the radio right now from Zach Williams. Love this song. If you listen to Message or K-Love, whatever you listen to, you probably heard it, called Less Like Me. Have you heard the song? Less Like Me. Uh, The first verse in chorus, Oh, I have days I lose the fight. Try my best, but just don't get it right. Where I talk a talk that I don't walk and miss the moments right before my eyes somebody with a hurt that I could have helped, somebody with a hand that I could have held, when I just can't see past myself, Lord, help me be a little more like mercy, a little more like grace, a little more like kindness, goodness, love, and faith, a little more like patience, a little more like peace, a little more like Jesus, and a little less like me. That resonates with me. That's a pretty powerful song. When the test seems too hard, trust the promises and the provision of God, but also just trust that this test is something that God is is doing in your life as part of His process to make you more like Jesus and a little less like you, a little less like me. Where is your faith being tested right now? Don't answer out loud, but just think about it. Where's your where's your hope being tested right now? How about your love? Is your love in some place in your life being tested right now? Instead of asking God why, which is what our emotions want to do, why me? I just would fire back, why not you? Why not me? Instead of asking why me, why is this happening? Let's ask a different set of questions. God, what do you want me to learn in this? What is it that you want to do in my heart? Where is, where is it in my faith that you want me to be strengthened? What, what do you want to do in me and through me to impact someone else? God, what is it that you are doing for your glory? What do you want me to see? What do you want me to change? These are the kinds of questions that we should be asking when we are experiencing a test in our lives. And as you're asking those questions, keep trusting in God's promises, keep trusting in His provision, and just trust that this is a process. And this is part of the process to make you more like Jesus you'll do that here's